0: We've been talking about Nehemiah and looking at Nehemiah as this character. You know, he starts out as the cupbearer to a Persian king. He's given a mandate to go back to the, the 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 area of his birth, the nation of his birth. Of course, is pretty well destroyed. Uh, but he's sent back to the capital city to rebuild the walls. There's there's people that have returned before him back to that city and. Uh, with the walls broken down, the gates burned with fire, the place is vulnerable. And Nehemiah's commission is to go and rebuild the walls and actually create uh, a sense of security that would also bring a sense of national identity, etc. And uh, this is Nehemiah, and he lived a long time ago. You know, he starts his ministry to this particular. Uh, area in 444 BC so we're we're going back a fair way we're going back into the wild west of history that's for sure in the cradle of civilization and uh, as we've talked about this you know Nehemiah God filled his heart with vision and uh, and he went with this incredible vision to bring security to many and then we've we've looked at Nehemiah as a study in how to fulfill vision this is how you actually make vision happen. It's one thing to have a dream, it's another thing to fulfill vision. They are really two very different things. It's good to have a dream, but you've really got to put wheels on that. And so we've been looking at the practical stuff. We've been looking at you know what vision is and how to cast vision, how to articulate vision, how to bring resources to the vision how to encourage others on the journey of the vision how to withstand some of the external pressures that come you know from enemies etc that don't want the vision fulfilled so we've been looking at this very practically and uh, and today though I think we're going to get to maybe the crux of the matter maybe the the keystone in the whole thought of fulfilling fulfilling vision and we're going to look at the kind of person You need to be to fulfill vision. It's one thing to have a great dream, but often great dreams don't translate to reality until we become the person that's able to actually fulfill the vision. And so we're going to look at some Bible characters. I'm going to read a fair bit of Scripture again today. I'm going to go as quickly as I can, but I want us to pick up on some key thoughts. I'm going to make some observations, and then I'm going to ask us some questions. Okay? you good you ready to go you need to encourage me hey look if I've got to be honest you're going to get a far better sermon than the people in the first service if you're encouraging if you're encouraging because I, I did I, I actually I think I bogged down a bit in the first one but I'm not going to in the second one and if I'm bogging down Timothy will let me know won't you Tim okay great vision and action part five Chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. Now the men and the wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. And some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we've had to borrow money and pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. And although we're of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved. But we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. And so as we hit chapter 5, it's interesting, last week, you know, maybe the last couple of weeks, it's been momentum towards the vision, the vision beginning to be fulfilled as they build. And then all of a sudden in the middle of vision fulfillment comes this tension, not from without. This is not, you know, Sanballat or Tobiah or those external enemies we've looked at. This is something that is actually happening amongst the people. There's this tension. Um, so it's internal strife oppression from within the whole thought is as it unfolds is the poor are getting poorer and the rich are getting richer and this isn't an external enemy this is people doing it to their own flesh and blood which isn't an unusual story in humanity is it and so uh, verses uh, six through eight when I heard their outcry in these charges I was very angry and I pondered them in my mind and then I accused the nobles and the officials. And I told them, you're charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them. I love his leadership language. Who'd like to be a fly on the wall in that meeting? You know, only if you're on the right side, I can tell you. But I love this about Nehemiah. I love the humanity of the scriptures. Often we do, we look at the scripture and we think, well, you know, the people in the Bible were just like these saints, you know, these manifested sons of God that were just kind and were always nice. You don't actually see that in Nehemiah. You see a guy who's determined to to lead it and he's determined to confront what needs to be confronted. And so this is him doing it. As far as possible, we've brought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. And now you're selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us again. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. Verses 5 through 9. So I continue. Are you okay if we read the Bible in church? Okay, so I continued. What are you doing? What you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? And I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, houses, and also the interest you are charging them. One percent. We'd be happy with one percent, wouldn't we? But when you've got nothing, one percent. Is a big deal. 1% of the money, grain, new wine and olive oil. We will give it back, they said. And we will not demand anything more from them. We'll do as you say. And then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they'd promised. We'll finish it up, verses 14 through 16. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, until the 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. That was his provision. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people, it took 40 shekels, etc., food and wine, and their assistants lauded it over them as well. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall, and all my men were assembled there for the work, and we did not acquire any land. Now, I know that some of this stuff, is, it can be a little bit like, what on earth are we reading, and what has this got to do uh, with, with nowadays and us? And what I want to bring out of the passages today, obviously I've made the observation, there's internal strife, but the the kind of internal strife I want to focus on is not actually with the people at large, it's what's going on inside Nehemiah today. Because there's this internal issue that has to be addressed, an internal test that we really all face We've been talking about fulfilling vision, about doing something through your life that leaves a deposit, something of substance, something like Nehemiah that brings security to the vulnerable, or it changes mankind, it changes God's planet in some way. This is what Jesus would have said, is the kingdom coming when God uses our lives to bring light and life? And the key to understanding that is it takes a person of character, If we just put it this way, it takes character to fulfil vision. It might be, you know, might actually be possible to argue that it takes even more character to keep something that's been built. From what I've seen over the years, its gift can get you somewhere, but it's only character that will keep you there. There's lots of gifted people. And there's been lots of gifted people with great concepts, great ideas, great vision. That five years later you might go, what 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 happened to them? What happened to that dream? What happened to? And often you'll find that the root of its failure was a character issue, a character flaw. And so that's why Nehemiah makes a fantastic study for us. Uh, I love his example of leadership. It's obvious he's not in it for personal gain, although something will come out a little bit later. But he's a servant leader, he's the exact kind of leader that Jesus said we all needed to be if we wanted to be great. And interestingly, Jesus didn't rebuke his disciples for wanting to be great. Greatness is actually, a, I think, a trait that God has put in the human heart. The desire to make an impact, the desire for my life to truly matter, that is greatness and that Jesus championed. What he did do is give them the correct path to it. You're not going to lord it over others just like other people might that don't know God, but you're actually going to become the least the last and the servant of all. And that's where greatness lies. And that's what we see in Nehemiah. That's what makes him such a fantastic study for us. Uh, You look at Nehemiah and you see integrity. And integrity could be qualified as this. It's who you are in the dark. It's who you are uh, when no one's looking. Or in Nehemiah's case, and, and, and sometimes for us, when we build something, when our lives begin to get momentum and there's something of substance about our lives, it can also be uh, not just who you are in the dark, but who you are when you've actually got the potential or the power to live above accountability. Mm-hmm. That's who you really are yeah. <laughs> when you don't answer to anyone. And that is actually Nehemiah's place. He is the governor with letters of authority from the Persian king who ruled the realm. So if he wanted to be unaccountable, like previous governors that he mentions, he could have been, but he chose not to be. And this is, I think, is the main point of the message and the main point of our reading today is that vision is wrapped around character. Vision is wrapped around character. It's, It's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing to be the person who can actually fulfill a dream it's one it's one thing to be you know a person with a vision it's another thing to be the person of the vision you see this in Joseph so clearly he's probably the a beautiful example of it you know at 17 he has a dream and he's brash and he's arrogant and he's proud and you know and he shows off his dream and his big vision before any of it's happened he's happy to tell everyone about it but he ends up Hated for it. And, you know, beaten up for it. Thrown in a pit for it. Sold into slavery for it. Buried in a dungeon for it. Falsely accused for it. Forgotten for it. And 13 years later in one day, he's the second most powerful man in the world. Because those years showed who he really was. Those 13 years... They, they didn't change Joseph, they just revealed who he really was. It's It's been said that in our society, well power changes people, money changes people. No it doesn't, it just reveals who they always were. Yeah. And, and And we have to become, if we've got something in our heart, we have to be prepared to go on the journey to become the person who can actually fulfil what God's put in our heart. So lots of people have great vision great opportunity but their vision is never realized because of fault lines in their character which is sad and 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 as an antithesis of Joseph we've got David and I mean King David we all love King David don't we we really do and David set out and he had an incredible vision for what the kingdom could be and I tell you he saw a lot of it come to pass it was all happening. And if you think of David, come on. This is the guy who, you know, as a youth faced down a bear and a lion. His courage was beyond dispute. And then as a youth, he goes out and he takes on this giant called Goliath. His skill and his understanding and his anointing from God beyond dispute. And then he faces superior armies in open battle. And he trounces them too. David's gifting and his anointing and his calling was never in question. But it's just so sad that something so much more subtle got him. Because sometimes we think, you know, if we were just as gifted as the next person, don't we? I do. I think I could have been Garth Brooks. <laughs> You're all glad I'm not. My wife is very glad I'm not. Um, But, you know, we sometimes just go, it's all about gifting. No, 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 David had it all. He had the lot. But ultimately, it was a character flaw that got David. And, 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 you know, I know that it's been said, and I think, you know, Scripture teaches pride is the real root of sin. I think we've got a better word for it nowadays. I think we've put a better handle on pride. We'd call it entitlement. Entitlement. The moment the me, my, I, I, I comes in. And one of the saddest verses in David's story is it simply says in the days when the kings went out to war David stayed home. In other words it's like you know what I've fought my battles. It's time for me to have a bit of fun. And I guess if you feel entitled to that time off when it was actually appropriate for him to be out with the with the men well then it's only a little leap to go I'm entitled to another man's wife. And all of a sudden that character flaw, so the vision was partially realised and then the kingdom literally split in two. Of course he handed over to Solomon but the rot had already set in and under Solomon's sons the kingdom was split. And it's so sad to see such potential, such gift, such anointing, such calling not actually come to fruition and it's often a character issue. You guys okay? you guys okay you have gone very quiet on me i mean ultimately when marriages people have a great no one gets married for their marriage to collapse no one does that you know, i feel for anyone who's had a marriage you know fall apart for whatever reason I, I feel sorry for you because i know you didn't set out with that in mind but you know if a marriage falls over anything from adultery to just petty selfishness ultimately it's a character issue Great vision, you get married with great vision for what your life could be. But are you the person of the vision? Uh, If you look at a business, business is exactly the same. We we start in business, most people start in business because they want to get a nest egg and hand it on to their kids and hand it on to their kids and it's like a bit of a known pattern in business that first generation sacrifices they they throw everything at it they make they get something off the ground second generation often if it's a family-owned thing second generation gets in they consolidate they keep the momentum going but often by the third generation there's not the level of understanding of the commitment and sacrifice required to continue it on. And often that's where the wheels come off and why probably most big successful companies go public where they vote for a new leader. Because it's sort of got to move away from an inheritance for it to be sustainable. So that's not everything, but but it generally comes down to character of a generation. We see exactly the same thing at the end of the book of Joshua. So Israel followed God all the days of Joshua all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, and then there arose a generation that did not know the Lord. There came this character break where problems ended in, and we end up in the book, very violent book of the book of Judges. you guys okay? I mean, you've got to be encouraging me more. There's not much to encourage there, is there? Okay, let's get on to some encouragement. So how do you deal with it? Because here's the fact, we've all got character flaws. Have we? (laughs) We've all all got them. It's not like, it's like, yeah, those bad people in the Bible, they had issues, you know. It's us. That's us. And I know many of us have got vision in our heart for what God could do through our lives. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to confront our internal assassin. What's your internal assassin? Paul puts it this way. I love it. Book of Romans chapter 7. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. then he says this, does this sound familiar to any of us? For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. In other words, what I want to do, I can't seem to do. And what I hate, what I know I don't want to do, I end up doing it. Paul's like, what on earth is going on inside me? And I love verse 24, 25. He says this, oh, wretched man that I am. (laughs) Who's ever felt that way? Is it only me? It's like, I can't believe I just said that. Where did that come from? Where is this attitude? I thought I dealt with this attitude. How is it growing on the inside of me yet again? You know, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I, whatever, fill in the blank. That's us. And Paul says, I am wretched. But then he gives the answer, who will deliver me? From this body of death, I thank God Jesus is the answer. So let's look at Nehemiah because I think Nehemiah followed a particular pattern dealing with his inner assassin. Are you interested in how to deal with your inner assassin so that you can fulfill vision? So that your life can make an impact? So that your life can actually follow through and create room and security for others? I think we should all be interested in that. Remember, that was Nehemiah's vision. Here we go. Nehemiah, I love it. Verse 10. He actually says, when he's accusing them of, you're lending money and you're charging interest, he says, I and my brothers are doing it too. In other words, he's like, you know what? I'm doing the same stuff. But today, it stops. First way to deal with our inner assassin is actually recognise we've got an issue. Recognising you've got an issue, I tell you what, is at least a third of the battle. It's, it's ironic that we can be so good at seeing the issues in others and frighteningly ignorant <laughs> of our own stuff. Am I the only one? You're looking at me like, oh, I don't know what that's like, Chris. <laughs> Not sure where you're coming from there. We can be so aware, so quick to criticise, so quick to judge and discern and actually be totally ignorant. Ignorant. Jesus put it this way. Hey, before you remove the splinter, the small issue in your brother, you might just have a bigger issue yourself. That's the way he put it. And so Nehemiah includes himself so he owns the issue. And uh, at the end of the day, the most important person you can be honest with is you. It really is. I mean, there's a lot of fear out there at the moment of what other peoples might be deceiving us into. True? And I'm not saying it's unjustified. I'm just saying there's a lot of finger pointing going on. Yeah. Oh, it's this, it's that, it's them, it's them. And we're so fearful of being deceived by people outside of ourselves when actually the worst case scenario is when you deceive yourself. Yeah is when you can't actually tell the truth to yourself. So we've got to own our issues. Second thing that I see in Nehemiah, uh, Paul says it, Jesus is the answer. Nehemiah echoes it and I love what he says. In verse 15 he says, But out of reverence for God I did not act like that. When he's talking about just how easy it would have been to wrought the system like everyone else had before him. It comes back down to, I let God be my conscience. Yeah. I just couldn't go there. And, and, and you've got to think about the environment and the scenario that he's in. This is exactly what Paul said. You know, Paul asked the question, I recognize I've got issues. <laughs> How am I going to deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a wretch. And then it's almost like Paul just remembers something. The way that he, he words it. It's like, oh, who will deliver me? That's right. (laughs) Jesus is my secret internal weapon to deliver me from myself. Because that's what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about the devil dragging him off. He's talking about his own heart. And he's saying, this is the one who will deliver me, Jesus. And I love that. Um, I love the fact that Jesus isn't just forgiveness. He isn't just an opportunity to start afresh. Jesus is a, a, a brand new lens through which we can see all of life and should be the way that we do. And this is Nehemiah. He's allowing God to become the lens through which he views the world. And if you think about it, in such a broken, fractured, abused society, you're the new governor. You have ultimate power. Every previous governor has abused that power. It would be so easy... To just continue the flow. And instead he puts a peg in the ground and goes, God is my conscience. I cannot do it that way. Yeah. Don't you love Nehemiah? Yeah. Come on, you're looking real serious. But we should be going, man, I want to be just like him. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be just like him. Because it's so easy for us to not even know our own motives and why we do things. Yeah. But Nehemiah shows, you know what, you can own your issues. It's a, first, it's a key. But you're not at the mercy of your issues. You have a deliverer. You have a deliverer. <laughs> and then thirdly, I think there's a great key in this, and I love how he does it. Well, actually, before we leave that, just look at what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah actually starved his inner assassin. Yeah. If his inner assassin, you know, was the temptation to use power that he had. It wasn't power he tried to grab. It was power he had. He had a letter from the king. So he already had it. And it's interesting, he... uh He was generous for a start by going, right, we're going to lend without interest. Banks love to do that. We're going to lend without interest. So I'm going to starve my inner assassin. He didn't eat the governor's rations. I'm going to starve my inner assassin. Everything that's threatening, everything that's screaming at me, why don't you be like the rest? I'm going to starve it. And he finally gets to the point where he's like, and I'm not going to own land either. In other words, it'd be so easy to just be like everyone else, take advantage of vulnerable people and get them in debt to me and own their assets. He had more power to do it than anyone there. And he makes a point of saying, in 12 years I didn't eat the governor's rations, even though they were given to me. He gave them away and I refused to own land. He didn't even buy legitimate land by the look of it. He didn't even want to be seen that he could be painted into the same. What does the Bible say? Do not even give the appearance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we spend some of our time sometimes, if we're honest, going, What can I get away with? Yeah. Rather than, What pleases the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> And here's Nehemiah going, you know what, I could probably legally do this. I mean, I've got the money. I could pay for it. I could actually probably bail someone out of debt. But if someone saw me owning land, considering the environment and what's going on before me, it's just better I don't own the land and be perceived as a man with integrity. Don't you love him? Yeah. Here's the last thought. last thought, and this is uh, taming your inner assassin. Verse 16, he says, I devoted myself to this work on the wall. In other words, he aimed for higher purpose. Remember that the wall, it wasn't just about bricks and mortar. It wasn't just about, we've got a nice wall around the city. It was going to have an impact that rolled on and on. Initially, it was security. Initially, it was that the, the, the city, the people are not vulnerable. And because of that, they'd actually be able to raise families because of that maybe kids could get an education because of that maybe the economy would fire up and because of that maybe there would be fewer poorer people in the nation as they really were looking to rebuild a whole nation starting at Jerusalem in other words you know Nehemiah as much as he said I've got a vision to build the walls he knew that vision meant so much more than that and I think we've got to be exactly the same now, I've, a great illustration of this is, is golf, a golf shot and I, I know that probably 99% of us here don't, have never been silly enough to try and get involved in that game <laughs> um, because it's a great game, it's, it, it could be addictive but I, I'd say most bat and ball sports are a bit similar it's, it's this thing, you don't hit the ball in golf you swing through the ball your aim is actually a different place than the ball Because if you just swing at the ball and then you stop, that thing just sort of chips down the fairway if you're lucky and rolls to a stop 100 metres away. But when you swing at a golf ball, you swing right through it, right through. And even though the ball is gone, it's critical that you just keep going because you're aiming at something higher than hitting at the ball. You're looking down the fairway at a hole, you know, 300 metres away. And if you're like me, hitting the ball too hard to try and get there in one, ending up in the trees. But the principle is that. It's, it's like we've got to swing through. And in business, businesses, I, I know we get into business to have security and have, you know, have money and do something for our kids. But ultimately, there's got to be a follow-through purpose. There's got to be something bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. It's got to come to a point where it affects people. It touches lives. It brings something of the healing of Jesus Christ to our world. Even, you know, we've talked about, hey, this isn't just about some sort of like big ministry vision, church vision. This whole series has just been about us as people living with vision. Think of the context. We've just been in don't go, don't do it mode for so long. Been trying to preach vision into us so we can see a preferred tomorrow. Yeah. And I've even talked about our front garden. It's like that might seem like such a little thing, you know. Who's got a neighbor with the front garden? you wish they got a bit of vision for it? Maybe, you know. But ultimately, is that just about a front garden? I don't know. I could tie that back to Genesis chapter 1. God created man, and then the first job he gave him was to tend the garden. Yeah. <laughs> to me, landscaping's godly. Yeah. <laughs> Paul puts it this way, and I love it. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, Whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Another place Paul says, do all to the glory of God, whether you eat or whether you drink. However you choose to live your life, do it in such a way that it's a reflection of the creator's purpose. and and this is Nehemiah this is not about me having a position and going there this is not about me even just building walls and going wow he's an awesome builder he can really rally the troops this is about freedom for people generation after generation will be affected by the vision that I'm determined to fulfill and praise God he did it and praise God Nehemiah had the character follow through and make it happen and I know that's what God's got for us that's what God's got for us so I I think I'm just going to ask a couple of questions and then we're going to go what is the motive that drives my vision ask yourself that when you've got vision let's be honest with yourself what's actually driving that do I recognize my inner assassin? Maybe the easiest way to put it is like, if I thought about something internally that was going to get me and the wheels are going to fall off my life, what would it be? Because we all probably know that. You know, I could give you a list of my top three straight away. I'm not going <laughs> to. You were really keen to hear that, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we all know it. So what is it? Do we, do we acknowledge it? Do we recognise it? Because it's only in actually recognising it that you can intentionally do something to starve it. You can intentionally do something about it. Uh, What can I do to intentionally starve my inner assassin? That's the next uh, question. And then what is one decision I'm prepared to make to strengthen my character today? Because, you know, this can never end up just like, oh, that was some interesting information, Chris, that message. This has got to come back down to the transformation of the heart. Oh, wretched man that I am will deliver me from this body of the flesh I thank God through my Lord Jesus Christ it's always about our lives being transformed God doing a work in us and and I think it'd be a mistake if we went well I've got 10 things I need to change you won't do it come on most of us can't fulfill two new year's resolutions but if there's one thing that we'd go you know there's one thing I could do today to strengthen my character. I'm going to make that choice. Just one thing. Just one step in the right direction is all it takes. And that can set in in, in motion a chain reaction that brings great change to your life so that God can bring great change through our lives. Would you stand with me today? Why don't we pray together? You, you guys doing all right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really good. You doing all right? Y'all doing all right? You're yeah. Surviving. Do you live where I live? Yeah. I mean, I'm preaching it myself, so I just figured you live there too. Heavenly Father, we just commit ourselves to you, and the dreams of our hearts, the things you put in our hearts, those internal pictures where we just see the world the way it should be. And, uh, and we give those things to you and we pray that we'd be the people th- that could make them happen we'd, we'd become the people that that vision would wrap around our character and it would be a firm foundation for the fulfillment of vision so in your presence here right now we just give ourselves to you and maybe that one thing that one thing we commit it to you We make a decision today to just adjust that one point in our character that will take us into our future. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, hey, if you're here today and and you've never walked with God, because that's what I'm talking about. Nehemiah is a guy who walked with God and let God be his conscience. And it just brought out outstanding character. And maybe you've never walked with God in that sense, but you've got the opportunity to, friend. You know, God doesn't belong to any man. He loves you and He loves us all equally. He's just waiting for you to open your heart. If you've never done that, you can do it in the simplest of ways, right where you stand. Just right where you stand, you can just open your heart to Jesus Christ. You know, and in your own heart of hearts, say something like, Jesus, I just throw open the doors. Come into my life. Help me to follow you. Help me to know what you're all about. A simple, simple, authentic prayer can have great power in our lives. Friend, you can do it just like that. I'm going to ask Mike if he'd come. Let's thank Pastor Chris as he goes.